As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome in to Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Ainer Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Uh, on a week, the Bengals are wrapping it up. We're, we're almost to the end. And you know, Jay, when the season ends, like it's going to on Sunday, you know what that means. That means that we can now be allowed to start talking about next season. Oh, oh wait, we've been doing that for a month and a half? Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A different element, though, now riding a winning streak, and it just it, it just adds. I think there's it, even though it lowers their draft position, I think it increases the the interest in the fans now that it, it does put a little more intrigue into what they're going to do. It's not this this dead set Panay Sewell at number three thing, and I think fans, as much as they like to complain, I think they're still happy about a two game win streak. I don't know about that, Jay. <laughs> Some of them. Uh, my mentions would beg to differ, uh, and we'll get into that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this week, who's in their final game, who is going to play in their final game Sunday for the Cincinnati Bengals. One, I can say unequivocally. Actually, two. Two, I can say without any – I know it for sure. I'm going 100%. I never like to do that. If I'm writing a story, I'm going to go 100% on two guys. And you know, I don't like – I usually I like to at least to leave the 99.9er out there, but I'm saying I, two I feel 100% on. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about, I guess we'll revisit as we have to, our, da- our, our, our daily coaching staff thoughts as we do that. Um, people are calling me Pauly positive now, Jay, after being <laughs> berated as Paul Downer Jr. Uh, I'll take it. I have thoughts on that. Um, I want to talk about what we're learning about the offensive line. People are kind of giving happy, happy, joy, joy about some of the things that they're doing. Um, what we learn and what is next. I think we have some decent insight into what will be next for the offensive line going forward, including prioritization, an important word of the offseason. Uh, Jay has maybe the most epic Jay's got stats that you'll ever, ever have. I mean, it's 
I'm, I, my mind is still blown. I, usually my mind is blown when you tell me live. I know it ahead of time, and I'm still going to gasp when you say it on the show. So we're going to get Jay's got stats, of course. Run, pass, or boot. An important growler bed update is is coming. It's, it's, it's tense. It is tense. It's getting tense in the growler bet world. Uh, so we've got that. Um, some other history from Houston. It's it's Jay's going to catch fire here with some stats for you here towards the end of the show, as you're used to. It's very, very common. Um, Bengals wrap the season Sunday against the Ravens. And, um, you know, a team that handled them earlier in the season when they had Joe Burrow. But you can say the same thing about Pittsburgh that handled them earlier in the season when they had Joe Burrow. And there's a different feel and uh, for the way that they're playing right now. Baltimore is playing great football. And all of this is fine. Um, you know, fans, as we'll talk about, will probably get more into the draft position that would be lost if they won. But... You know, to me, a lot of intrigue and maybe the most interesting thing. And when we look back in a couple of years when we talk about this game, unless something totally crazy happens on the field, we're going to talk about whose last game it was. Most notably, potentially two most certainly one franchise legends. And we've discussed this a lot over the last month. But as it's here now, I think it's good to center in on this. Um, And it's who can we say? is going to play Sunday uh, and and wave goodbye to Paul Brown Stadium until they come back Andy Dalton style. Now, a couple weeks ago, after the game against Dallas and Andy Dalton, uh, we wrote about and talked about this the, the writing being on the wall for A.J. Green to have a similar path where eventually he'll come back and be beloved and probably score a touchdown and a win over the Bengals. Uh, <laughs> and that's possible. But, it, I mean, it... I'm going 100%, and I'm not even going to – I'm not going to claim that there's any chance of anything other than that happening. This is A.J. Green's finale. We should know that he basically – they made the farewell video and po- and posted it already, but everything you've heard, everything you've said, everything we know about this situation, this is it, and I hope the 10,000 fans that are there on Sunday um, – can give some moment to appreciate what AJ Green has been to this franchise, um, but this is it. This is it. Yeah, and it it it's amicable. I I mean, it's not it's not the ideal situation where he retires as a Bengal and he walks off the field. But you know, we talk so many times about how these these superstars, these legends of the franchise, it ends on bad terms. I. I I think this one's a little different. I, I think it's going to be a mutual parting of the ways. I, I don't think there's any animosity there, uh, like we've seen with with some other splits. And it would, I mean, he's he's got a chance to tie a franchise tie or break a franchise record on Sunday. And I think that that would go a long way as well. Is if he can get that, um, it's he's not going to get quite the send off that Andy got because it's not going to be. A stadium full of people. There's going to be eleven thousand and change there. Maybe they're still trying to sell tickets, um, but it is. It's. I I I rarely root for these kind of things, but I do hope he gets it. I I think it would be appropriate for him to at least tie Chad. He needs one touchdown catch to tie Chad Johnson's franchise record of sixty six. He needs two to break it. Um, T Higgins has some records on the line too, some rookie records, but. Um, 
I asked Brian Callahan about that yesterday, about whether that enters their thought process at all of, you know, late in the game, if you're up by a lot, you're down by a lot, whatever. Do, do you try to force that? Do you try to, to get AJ that record or get T Higgins his record? And he said, no, that they want it. They, they obviously want that to happen, but it's not something they're going to force. It's, it's not going to be forefront of their mind. Um, and, and we've seen AJ get a few more catches here of late, a few more targets, um, but it's it's going to be tough against the Ravens. This figures to be a low scoring game. Maybe the Bengals only score one or two touchdowns. Uh, it would be great to see, great to see him run off the field. Maybe show some emotion, which we never ever see from AJ. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But you're right. I, I'm in your camp there. 100 percent chance this is it. Yeah, I mean AJ's ready for a new start. The Bengals are ready for a, a new start, particularly at that position. And you know, I mean, you look at some of when you talk about. F- what's going to be available to fill that spot. There's going to be a lot of talented players, whether through the draft, you know, I mean, how many mid round receivers do you need to see have instant quick success to know that that can be an answer. The bargains that you're going to get in free agency, because there's so many good free agent receivers that are going to be out there. We've mentioned Josh Reynolds on this show in the past as a potential match, who would be a real bargain type guy, but could be a legit number three um, who has familiarity. And, you know, I just think there's so many other, it just, it it all makes sense. That's what leads us to hundred percent. Here's a question for you. And this has kind of been had, and Chad has weighed in on this, as he weighs in on most topics. Um, And that is, is A.J. Green the best receiver in Bengals history? Will he go down that way? Chad has said he is. Chad has said A.J. Green is better than I was. Now, Chad does say things like that on occasion. We can be the judge of that, Chad. Uh, You know, I, I have a tendency, I think A.J. Green was more talented Chad did more for the organization because of his personality, because of the timing of when he showed up and his his highs, the, his his five to six year stretch run. I think surpasses even AJ's when he's going. It, it's really hard. Like it's really hard, and it's kind of splitting hairs. But I think when you to me the difference is when you throw in what Chad did for the attitude of the entire team, the brash confidence of the entire team when he was here sets him apart but AJ's more talented I think yeah and here's the thing Chad made easy catches look hard and AJ makes hard catches look easy um I I think that that that's where a lot of that that just awe that people had with Chad Johnson because he could he could he could lay out for a ball that he didn't really need to lay out for and make those catches look really spectacular I I think I think it's AJ. I think that it's even a debate right now just because of recency bias, because of how much he struggled this year, because of missing the last two years. Um, if we look back on this a year from now, two years from now, I think everybody will, when you look at the, the whole body of work, I think people will uh, be on the side that, that AJ is the, the best receiver in team history. Yeah, uh, Isaac Curtis probably should be in that conversation for the our old school fans. I mean, he pl- because of the era he played in, um, but he was a game changer in an era where they were just mugging him where, you know, if if Isaac Curtis's game, if he was in this era, I mean, his numbers would look a, a lot like this. You know how lucky the Bengals have been at the receiver position when you could say Chad passed the baton to AJ. They never actually played mm-hmm. together, but they have had two decades of 
an incredible number one. You know, Chad Chad goes immediately and passes it on to AJ, and AJ runs for a decade. A decade run for each of them that has been really incredible and fun to watch. I, the Bengals have been lucky at this position in particular. And now what's happening? Now the baton passes to the next guy, right? T. Higgins looks like he's that guy. Yes. You know, it, it does. It's it's kind of the symmetry is 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 pretty interesting. Um, Let's real I, yeah. I, on the Isaac Curtis front because um, I was you know looking up the the T Higgins has six touchdown catches the the rookie record for the Bengals is nine and that's Isaac and that was in a fourteen game season and Isaac he he came in nineteen seventy three nine catches right off the bat and he 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 just kept going like that the entire time that I think a lot of people that maybe listen to this podcast or that are Bengals fans in general don't have an appreciation for for what he was and let's not forget too that that Isaac Curtis did something that that neither Chad nor AJ Green did and that was win in advance in the playoffs. Ooh, Jay, come on, low blow. No, I mean it's just the fact. <laughs> it is a fact. It is a fact. Um I I think Isaac Isaac Curtis falls into that that land of one of the most underappreciated great players the league has seen and and not just the Bengals and and partially because of you know when he played and where he played and, and how the game was played then um I have another guy I'm entering into the hundred percent and it's a guy who's under contract for next year again I don't like doing the hundred I, I prefer a 99 I guess there's always an there's always maybe I'll I'll, I'll walk it back to 99.9 maybe Bobby Hart's gone, and I and there's a couple. This it, when we when we talk about okay, AJ Green under the most beloved Bengals of all time, and it'll be sad to see the farewell. Bobby Hart is on the far opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, we're talking about maybe maybe one of the most despised uh, of all time, and it's it the time is up. I mean, the the approach to the offensive line is going to be aggressive this offseason. And his contract, which we discussed when they first signed him, was one that set them up at, with an exit here. $6 million they're going to save and take a small dead money hit. I mean, what $6 million can do for them um, is a lot more than what Bobby Hart can do for them. <laughs> uh, and and it's just it's time I think what we're going to see this offseason is a year late as the Bengals often are uh, actually getting serious about fixing the offensive line and that means moving on there and I also think part of that is Fred Johnson has shown you enough to be a backup swing type guy you know at tackle and that what those guys should be paid is kind of, you know, you can draft, you can hope for some development of identity, have Fred Johnson as your backup swing type guy, or maybe you find a free agent uh, who can be a serviceable number six, seven lineman type um, there. You don't need to pay that position $6 million, and I think that's what Bobby Hart would be if he came back next year. And so for that reason, he's going to be gone. Yeah, they they have liked Fred Johnson's talent since they, they claimed him off waivers from Pittsburgh, and the whole thing was, when does the light go on? And it does feel like it has. And, and sh- shout out to Richard Skinner from Local 12 with the, the question yesterday to Zach. Uh, you know, Bobby Hart is – or the, uh, the Bengals are 4-0 and when Fred Johnson oh, starts. Oh, man, talk about stats. <laughs> that, was, that was great. Fred Johnson uh, was going to success. <laughs> well, obviously, 4-0. <laughs> 
the, if this was a live radio show and instead of an on-demand podcast, I think there would have been a roar that reverberated across the land when you said 100% that Bobby Hart is not back. <laughs> I'm not ready to go 100%. I just uh, we we wrote it up. We we wrote it off as 100% that he wasn't coming back when they signed him to the 3-year deal before. We were all dumbfounded when when they we found out he was in their plans and then when they actually signed him um I, 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 yeah, 95, 96. I don't know if I would go 100%. There's always weird things that can happen. But I, I, his, his time here is most likely up. And I, I do think that's that alone, regardless of who they replace him with, I think that the fact that he's gone will make most fans happy. Although I still think, he, yes, he's, he has not been the answer. He's, he's not great by any means. But I do think he gets uh, more of a raw deal than he deserves. I, I think he can still be a, a starting tackle somewhere in this league, just not here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there you can do worse. And I don't know if that's an if that's a, <laughs> <laughs> a compliment or not. I do as starting. You look across this league. Look at some of the guys that have been playing, right? Like it, you can definitely do worse. But if you want to be serious about it, and you want and, and you need to have a real line, like you. You you need to be using that six million dollars elsewhere. You're right. I should I should take back the hundred just based on the shock that I still remember when Jim Turner first stood on the table for Bobby Hart at the combine when he was first hired. I mean that was that's still one that I still I still don't even believe it. And I watched it play out for two years. Um, but yeah, so I'll, maybe I'll walk off the hundred, but because you, you do never know. But I I you know it does seem that does seem, now it may not happen immediately because you you may keep him here as an insurance policy in case some things don't go your way, whether in free agency or the draft or whatever. Um, it's like, okay. Well, if if things fall apart and something doesn't go right, you don't want to be stuck with nobody and leave you in a lurch. So, um, it may not happen immediately. But as far as by next year, um. I'm, I'm sticking with that. Maybe perhaps a better thing to get closer to 100 would be Sean Williams, um, who, I mean, look, uh, contracts up, uh, obviously not happy here, barely played this year. Von Bell and Jesse Bates are their fu- are their future, and, and they never really found a role for Sean. He's stuck on special teams, unhappy guy with that, needs and can still play in this league, has been a starter. Um you know, ready for a fresh start. I think um, that to me that maybe that is even more. I mean, those three are kind of the big three that I think that have been around, that have played here, that will be out there Sunday, that will be walking off knowing uh, that they're they're taking off the jersey for the last time. Yeah, Sean creeped up to that hundred percent mark the day they signed Von Bell, even before this season started. So yeah, the, the, that writing's been on the the wall for a while, and he's. I don't know. He's he's had a good career here. I don't he he wasn't an outspoken guy. I, I I don't I don't even really get a feel for for how fans feel and think about him. He he, he just seems like underappreciated, over overvalued. I don't know. It, it just it, it feels like I can think of one impact play he had while he was here. That was that interception in Pittsburgh that, that sealed the the division clinching game in 2012. Um, Beyond that, he's he, – I don't know. He's just kind of flown under the radar. I don't think – it's not like there's going to be people lining the tunnel waving goodbye to Sean Williams like they will A.J. Green. Yeah. Wouldn't have been 12. He was a 13 draft pick. Or that, that's right. It was uh, – 15 maybe? It, 
Yes. Yep. Yes, it was that, that yep. game. But, uh, you know, you get... You know, I think he's really respected inside of the locker room, as proof by the fact that he's still wearing the captain C this year. And mm-hmm. I think people respect. I think he's tough. I think he was, uh, he was a leader within the room, and I think people really respected the way and the toughness with which he played the game. He was always a he was always not afraid to say some stuff when we were in the locker room, which I always enjoyed. Like he was a really good post game quote after a loss because he would not be afraid to kind of just say how he feels a little bit, um, and I so I personally enjoyed that. He's done some he's done some great stuff uh, off the field too. Uh, he won NFLPA Community Player of the Week uh, earlier this year for what he did back in Early County where he's from, and I had a story about that. I mean, you know, I think. I think he's a he's been a solid player who's been a starter here for a long time and in a big part of this organization and he'll be he'll be an afterthought probably in today but um, he he played last year on one leg too in a crap season sure and that that was that was really impressive yeah I think he earned a lot of respect with the way the way he handled that um, a few that could be in their last game and we these again are things that we've also been talking a lot about um, but they're notable. And it's what happens with Carl Lawson and William Jackson III are really interesting because these two guys will both have markets. These two guys are both at positions where, man, the Bengals need help. Um, I mean, if if William Jackson III goes, I guess didn't we see kind of Sunday what that looks like when he goes? Um, I mean, you'll have Trey Waynes next year. But what are you going to pay? What are you willing to pay for William Jackson? Was anybody willing to pay for William Jackson the third? You know who is, who has his skills, who is a great when he goes out there and he covers and he's the cover guy, and that's it. Like he is tough. I think teams are scared of him in a lot of ways. They don't like to throw at him. He doesn't pick the ball off a ton. He's susceptible to a double move. Um, we've seen, you know, he had a season last year where he was just seemed kind of out of, kind of disenchanted. There's an injury history. There's so there's some negative. He's he's not he, he's not a slam dunk CB one, and and that's where you get you wonder what happens because will some other team view him as a cornerback one and be willing to pay him the way the Bengals were willing to pay Trey Waynes last year? I think they will. And I, I I don't. The Bengals never do this anyhow, but especially with William Jackson, I don't. This isn't going to turn into a bidding war. I think they're going to they're going to find a price, and if another team's willing to go higher, they'll they'll say thanks for five years, Will, and let him go. Um, he's he he. It's been kind of a roller coaster here. You, it's not been that ascension that you would like to see from a, a number one or not from a first round pick. Uh, last year was really disappointing. He look, he kind of found his way early this year, but. You're right. He's he's not he's not a Xavier Howard, just or any of these other guys. Marlon Humphrey, Jalen Ramsey. He's not that kind of corner, and it, it's kind of the same thing that you were talking about, Bobby Hart. Where maybe that that money is better spent elsewhere. Um, it's you would have liked to have seen Trey Wayne's play this year to know exactly what you have, but I still. I don't know where are you going to put this. Where what what number are you going to put that this is William Jackson's last game in a, in a Bengals jersey? I would almost go 50-50. Yeah, I, I have. I, it's a coin flip for me. Um, 
And I, I just, I, I can see it going either way. Markets are unpredictable and no more in any year than this year. So I, I, you know, I look at it and say, I could totally see other teams just being like, I just can't, you know, but these guys, but corners are hard to find and, and you're always surprised by what people are willing to pay for certain players. And so you never know. I'm with you though. I think the Bengals have always done it this way. They set their market value on a player and that's what it is. And agents might not like to hear that, and agents might think they're getting more. Sometimes it backfires on the player, thinking they can go get more, and they don't, and then the Bengals move on. Darquez. Darquez. Sometimes it goes the other way, where the Bengals set their market, somebody goes over top of it, and they probably should have stuck around and gone gone with them. Um, now, but that's what it is. And, that's, and I think they'll do the same thing with William Jackson III, and, but I, I, don't, I don't see them paying him. The same money they paid Trey Waynes. I mean, you need to pay corners, but are you going to pay thirty million, twenty-eight to thirty million per for two corners that are William Jackson the third and Trey Waynes? They may have to face that reality. Otherwise, they got to figure out who what they're going to do at corner. And you'll you'll have a top ten pick where you can get a legit number one, but you don't. The problem with that is the last thing you want to do is have to get any position with that pick that needs to be best player available specifically when they're not number three and you can't say pretty certainly that you're going to get you know win penny school or whatever and even then you wouldn't know for sure like there's just there's if the danger in waiting to think well well we can always get a draft pick to fill that in is scary because then you could leave yourself hanging and if if they go into the next year with you know, whatever Wayne's and whoever's playing slot. I mean, they don't have anybody. And Phillips, like that, that's dangerous. Um, so I, I, to me, coin flip. Yeah, uh, Carl Lawson, the other one. They need pass rushers so much. I put this less. I, 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 I think they will find a way to get it done. Um, but he, it, it's a similar category. Guy who's not, he's not a, the greatest thing. I mean. Because he doesn't finish well enough, but man, is he disruptive. Man, does he get back there. Man, do you love it when he's out there. He makes a difference. Um, but he's, you know, he's not one of your elite pass rushers because his finishing and awareness is not there. Jay, you wrote extensively on this topic about Carl Lawson, and, and that, you know, that, that topic is out there. Yeah, I, I think that Carl would have interest in coming back here. It's that that case where he's a, a mid round guy that's probably has a lot of uh, appreciation for the Bengals for being the one that takes a chance on him. And maybe if they if they can boost that defensive line, which has to be one of the top priorities of the offseason, and and he doesn't have to be a. I know he wants to be a three down guy, but that's not really who he is. Um, he he could actually have greater production by playing less. Um, and playing on a better team, a team that's got leads, where he can he can pin his ear backs and and pin his ears back and just rush the quarterback in the fourth quarter of games when they had the, the other team in a in a must pass situation. Um, I, I I I think he's got a better chance of coming back than than William because I, I don't know. I, I think there will be teams that'll be willing to overpay for William Jackson. I'm not sure. That the market's going to be quite as high, even though it's such a, a position of demand. I, I think people have seen enough of Carl Lawson 
Um, there's there's still that intrigue about William Jackson, um, the, the lost rookie year, the, the down year last year. Um, but I, I think people kind of know what Carl Lawson is at this point, and I, I, I think the Bengals will be able to get him for their price. Yeah. Um, uh, any other – I mean, as far as other interesting – I'm not in, I'm not really including guys who've only been here for a year, you know, the Mackenzie Alexanders, mm-hmm. the Daniels. Like, I, I'm mostly talking about guys that have, have been around. That's why – those – I mean, then you get into the specialists. Uh, I think, you know, Huber, Harris, these – you know, I, I think that they'll, they'll be back or whatever. But that's – outside of that, I mean – you know, John Ross isn't going to be playing. Alex Erickson, if, if you're interested in discussing his future, I mean, you know, we can. There's other guys, um, but really, those are the big ones. I think that you're looking at, unless there's another name out there that I, that you think is is bigger than I'm not thinking of. Not a bigger name, but I, I would say 100% Randy Bullock is gone. Yeah, right. I mean, it, just the benching this year, yeah. and he's in his final year of his deal. Um, Alex Redman, he, he doesn't play a lot, but I, I think we've seen the last of him. Um, and then, yeah, everybody else, the guy, you know, LaShawn Sims, Mike Thomas, the one-year guys, they're, they're gone. Um, but, yeah, no other no other real big names on there. Jordan Evans, it's last year his deal. He's he's kind of you know, been forced into some action here the last couple games. He, well, the last game he was out with the injury. But um, I, I could see them bringing him back on a, a cheap one-year. He, he's a good special teams player and he's a, a decent backup linebacker. But – other than that, I guess the other he's a one year guy, but it's a it's a big question mark in my mind is Josh Bynes just because of what he brings um, as a leader, as a veteran. Um, he may not want to come back for this this dysfunctional scene. Um, who knows how he seems like he's bought in, but um, he's getting older. I, if they bring him back, he's probably not going to be to start. Um, that that one's kind of a question mark in my mind still. I think Bynes comes back just because of how much they – I think they will pay him more for because of what he is as a leader, and I think that will be enough because I don't think anybody else is going to value him more than what he got this year um, as sort of a forgotten guy. So I, I think they'll value him more and, and, and bring him back to play that role. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover – Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's kind of switch gears here, and, you know, we can discuss where we're at with the coaching staff stuff. I mean, you know, look, Zach Taylor is going to be back. Um, Despite as bad as they have been over the last two years, you know, we talked about how it came down to the end here. The seat was hot. Um, But what has happened the last two weeks? I said, I've always said, I, I don't know if saved his job is right, but secured is the word that I use. I it just, it just, I, I don't think, and then now if they've won 
couple in a row, and people might not like this. Understandably, I think there's a great argument to be made that it's it's poor thinking, and and absolutely, and people are gonna, you know, I'm not telling you anything that is right or wrong about it. I'm just saying, you know, he's gonna be back, and and they the idea being they have a better chance to give the third year and continue to and build the, what they're trying to do and what they've been kind of selling has been this third year the whole time with Joe Burrow and the way the offense is playing with him. And, and 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 buying into some of that rather than hitting restart again and you put yourself into that cycle again and you're wasting potentially. Some people would say you're wasting a year of Joe Burrow by keeping Zach Taylor. But, you know, that's, that's the way they're going to see it. There will be changes. Um... You know, we've talked so much about this. You know, I think that will be what you're going to see is big changes. You know, in in some regard, um, the question, the only thing is, is I think that is up in the air here is has Luana Rumo done enough? I mean, we talked about how we on on the walkout about how it's still. I still don't. I still think you have to see the big picture. I still think you have to see the big picture with him. But you know, the other side of it is, can they get somebody that? you feel like gives them a better chance. Will somebody be willing to come in here with a coach who is, you know, not a lame duck, but I mean, you know, back against the wall, right? Like is someone going to be, that's maybe a bigger question than whether Lou Anarumo deserves to come back. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're not going to get an experienced guy that, that, is going to come into this situation knowing it might be one and done. And if it's a, if it's a hot young up and comer, it's not like his value goes away after this year. And so is that kind of guy going to be willing to, to take a chance and, and come to Cincinnati, you know, looking at what this franchise has been the last few years. And then the option three is somebody from within Al Golden guy with head coaching experience, defensive coordinator experience, head coaching experience on the college level. But, you know, if they made a change, would that be a direction they would go? Um, I'm going to look into this this week. It's something I want to write because it it, we we talked about Zach. I mean, what if if Joe Burrow played this whole season and they were the record was exactly the same right now? You would be saying, well, you know, do do you want to start over again after, you know, Zach got I mean, it's he got two years, but he got one with Joe Burrow. Um, the, the fact that he only got as many games as he did half a season with them. Um, yes, I don't think they saved his job with these, these last two wins. I, I think there was a good chance he was going to come back anyhow. The, the same is true with Lou. I mean, he's been, yes, they weren't, they've not been good since he's been here, but this year, particularly he's been coaching with one hand behind his back, the, the, all the injuries. And I know people don't want to hear that, but it's, it's a bad team. You it, it, you don't have a deep roster, so when you have those injuries to frontline guys, yeah, they're it, it's going to be really hard to replace them and and keep the quality. And they have, I think, in in a lot of categories, they they have gotten better, not wow better, but they they have stabilized and they have shown some improvement in some key areas. And man, the second half was so ugly. <laughs> Last week yep. against Houston, it was like, oh, they do have th- – th- after that first half, you're like, wow, this is – they are really kind of handling Deshaun Watson and this – it's not a not a great Houston offense, but he's a great quarterback. 
And then that second half was so bad. Um, I don't know if that's enough to erase all the, the little bit of progress, progress they had made, but I, I, I kind of put Lou in that 50-50 category too. I, I could see him going either way. And I think if, if you're right, if they bring him back, it, it's not necessarily a great endorsement on, on him and the job he's done. It's, it's more a matter of what's the alternative. Yeah, and isn't that kind of the thing with everybody here right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, and so, yeah, I, it's just, you know, you get the sense that the the path has opened up for Lou and that people maybe are buying a little bit more into what the defense has done the second half of the season. I don't know if that's the direction I would go or what I would see, but I, I you know, a, a path that I didn't see. I think the Pittsburgh game is what, you know, the Pittsburgh game blew open the path for people to say, okay, I can buy into Lou Anarumo and I and 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 sell it inside of the inside of the building, and you know, who knew one night uh, apparently can overcome the rest of it. Uh, so, otherwise, you know, I think what you're going to see, you know, I, I I think there's a there's a good chance you're going to see multiple changes though elsewhere, um, and you gotta you gotta think up front. You know, it just went so poorly. They bet on development, and development didn't happen. It's just been such a mess there. Um, you know, Jim Turner's got to be one of those that's that's going to be in the crosshairs that's possible. Um, and, and then you'll see others smattered across the line. But you know, hey, when there's when, when you know what the problems are in the team, you usually can point to position coaches that are in trouble. When you had trouble in the trenches, uh, you can usually point to position coaches who who probably you, you have to wonder what comes next there. And I, I think that would be a, a big thing for the, the way fans view Zach Taylor because he is obviously close with Jim Turner. And if, if he were to make that move and, and to move on, I, I think that would – the loyalty he's shown to him has, has rubbed a lot of the fans the wrong way. I, I think that would win over a, another segment of the fan base that, that they are moving in the right direction. Um, don't know if it will happen, but there's – there, there's going to be changes on this staff, and it, they're they're all all those decisions are tough. These guys, number one, just the the hours and time you spend together, they they build friendships and bonds. But then when you go through the crap of back to back losing season, and it feels like you against the world, um, it is. It's it. These are going to be tough decisions to make. But there's no way you can sell to this fan base just bringing back this staff as is. Um, some some people don't even want Zach back, but he is coming back. Uh, but yes, that, there's going to be changes on on this coaching staff. Maybe that would be a good run passer boot. How, how many how many of the of the current assistant coaches are back next year? There's a lot of them when you go deep into the staff. So you never you never know how many exactly. But I mean, you're you know, I think you're going to see you're going to see a minimum of three uh, moves, probably more than that. Um, when, yeah. you, when you really get into it, it just you you have to. And again, you know, look where the trouble spots have been, and that's typically, um, you know, where you'll see moves happen. Um, as far as you know, w- what we've learned with the offensive line, so you know, you're you're going to be potentially you're looking at a different set of eyes addressing this problem, you know, and where they go next. The the, the biggest thing that I get the sense of in, in talking with people and and getting a better understanding of this is. And there's two things at play here. One, what is the what is the best way to fix this problem? And people have pointed to Penny Sewell, and that's 
great. I mean, what he might be, he maybe he is the next greatest thing, you know, to ever, you know, wear an NFL number. But it's not about that to me. To me, it's about this is a problem (laughs) that needs to be fixed with something you can count on. Joe Burrow is going to drop back having gone through a year of recovery from this nasty knee injury, and he needs to do it not in front of somebody who you gave even a first-round pick to or even a number three overall pick to. In front of somebody who has proven in this league that they can do it and has done it for a while. I get the sense they are willing to attack the offensive line problem this year the way they attacked the defensive problem last year. And people will say, that well, that's screwed up. They should have switched those two. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I, I do get the sense that they are willing to do it and understand the value in doing it. Now, who is that? I mean, I don't know. Are the, the guys they get going to be good? Enough? I don't know. But I, it's time to pay. And we've talked about this as the question of the offseason. Are they willing to finally actually invest in the offensive line? Or are they going to continue to kind of hope for, you know, what serviceability and if it develops, they could be really great. There's only one way to do it, that's to pay. I do get the sense that I think they're going to be willing to pay for it this year if, you know, the guys that whoever they're going to chase after that are going to be out there. So do they you do you think they pay a veteran tackle and guard? Or do they do one or the other, and then get the rest in the draft. I think it's both. I I, yeah. I think they pay for the. You know, but that's the question. I mean, we've been writing about it since we projected the twenty twenty one roster. Will they be? That's the that's the uncomfortable next step. But if you collect money on these contracts that we talked about, six million from Bobby Hart, ten million from Geno Atkins. It's sixteen right there. Right, sixteen million dollar right tackle. That'll do. Right, whoever that is. There's guys out there, you know, you're going to pay $13, $14 million to Joe Tooney. You've got that money. They they just paid $14 million to DJ Reader last year and $14 million to to Trey Waynes. If you attack it the same way, then that is, then you're good. Then then you're in a much better position. You, You have fixed to my opinion, then you have you have done enough to feel very comfortable. You fix the line, and and you have a you have a new voice in the room, potentially. You know, all of that is something you can sell on fixing the fact that they what they blew last year, um, you know, in not protecting Burrow properly. That can be enough. It will cost you, but you know what? They they do have the money and they do have the ability to go do it. They've got to evaluate it and bring the right guys in. Um, but that, to me, that's what makes sense. The guard is the question. I think they'd be willing to spend a tackle, but we know this organization and their guards they just don't like it. It makes them uncomfortable no. having to do that. Uh, and maybe they say, "Well, what if we use number thirty-five on a guard?" You know, and I don't. And you can, you know, you can argue for that, but you, I don't. You know, I I just think you're better off, and. I think they realize they'd be better off paying for it and maybe finally will be willing to do it. Yeah, I'm going through my mind and I'm trying to think who, what is the most they've ever spent on a guard? And I guess it, they gave Clint Bowling the, the, the big deal. They, they let Kevin Zeitler walk when his rookie deal was up. 
Um, but at least once they did invest big money in a guard with Clint Bowling. That um, wasn't that it, big. I mean, he only got five yeah, million a year. It wasn't like he was – he wasn't up in the – I mean, that wasn't even at that time upper echelon. I mean, it was maybe fringe top ten. That's still – that's probably the most they've ever yeah. spent on a guard in their in their history. So this – if you're talking Joe Tooney, what's that going to be? Two and a half times that amount? Yeah. Um, the, the Patriots aren't going to re-sign Joe Tooney, so he is going to be he's going to be one of the the prize offensive line pieces available in free agency. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be really interesting to see which way they go there. Um, yeah, fans would love if they got one of each, uh, but there there's it's it's not like that's the only position of need. Um, so I, I could I I could see them going heavy on one, and then yes at at. 35, 36, 37, 38, wherever they're picking in the second round, attack the other position. And not to mention whatever you're going to get at in your top 10 draft pick will fill mm-hmm. some need that you have or just give you a playmaker somewhere. I mean, th- I'm just saying, they, number one, it, it needs to be, all right, fix the line, pay for the line, and I think you fill out the rest elsewhere, whether it's drafting or because that's the place. The line is the place where you just can't depend on the draft, and the last thing you want to do is be throwing out some unproven rookie at any at these spots in front of Joe Burrow and his knee, <laughs> you know, been there, done that. Even this team might have learned from that, having to watch that carnage of of what that needs to look like next year. Um, all right, let's let's switch gears again, um, and let let's let Jay take us down to a special place. I mean, this is I just I'm not gonna lie, I just don't even know how this is a possible thing. I don't understand it, and you've tweeted it out, and I keep looking at the list, and I and I knew it, and I knew it, and I still can't believe it the more I look at it. Jay, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, I kind of knew it too. It's just like, you know, that seems like, but it was it was a, a former boss of mine who's been a Bengal season ticket for a long time, a new Listener to the podcast, he he prefers to read his information, but I I talked him into listening to our podcast. His name's Dirk Allen. He was my uh, sports editor, my first job in Hamilton, and he's he's gone to these season ticket or he's had season tickets forever. He goes to every game no matter how bad they are, and he would always talk about send them home happy no matter how bad the season was. They always found a way to win that final game and give fans a glimmer of hope. Um, and it I, you go I went back and looked and it is it is remarkable. When the the Bengals enter their season, their home finale, not their season finale, when they enter their home finale with a losing record, they've won twelve straight and seventeen of eighteen. It's it just and, and these it's not like oh yeah they're they're one and fourteen and the team they're playing is three and twelve. Uh, they've beaten some good teams um, in two thousand one. The Steelers were twelve and two. Bengals were four and ten. Beat them twenty six twenty three in overtime. The only time in this stretch was 1998. <laughs> the Bengals were three and twelve. They were playing a Buccaneers team that was seven and eight, and they did not give a crap. They lost that game 35 to nothing. But all these other games, and even recently, the 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 games, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. The last six in this run, they've not just won, they've won by double digits. Uh, they knocked the Lions out of the playoffs. They kept the Ravens out of the playoffs. They kept the Chargers out of the playoffs. All this since 2010. And it's if if you if you take out the 
enter the the home finale with a losing record thing, just home finales, period. They've won eight in a row and 12 of 13. So I don't know if that's got the Ravens shaking in their boots coming in on Sunday, but uh, Jamison Hensley had a, a very interesting stat that the the Ravens are favored by 11 and they are 41 and 0 in the regular season when favored by double digits. So it's the classic something's got to give in this game. Something's got to give. Two immovable forces. <laughs> the Bengals' ability to suck and then win at the end and the Ravens' ability to always win when they should. What will happen? I mean, I the, the my favorite part of the list and just and I don't know if it's cuz I I did grow up here in the 90s. But like the run Every single year from 1993 to 2002. Every <laughs> single year. 93, they're 2 and 12. They beat the Falcons. 94, they're 2 and 13. They beat the Eagles. 95, they're 6 and 9. They beat the Vikings. 96, they're 7 and 8. They beat the Colts. 97, they're 6 and 9. They beat the Ravens. 98, they have the, the Buccaneers game you lost. Where that, that that was the loss, but then ninety nine, they're three and ten. They beat the Browns. Two thousand, they're three and eleven. They beat the Jags. Two thousand one, they're four and ten. They beat the Steelers. Two thousand two, they're one and thirteen, and they beat the nine and five Saints. What an epic run that is! <laughs> and they really, you know, it's because the losing seasons have been a little fewer and farther between. Yeah, but they this group as these last five years has just fallen right into the pattern. They're just picking right up where those guys left off. We're now going to – this will be four years in a row. Or excuse me, five, they could be their five-year five. stretch. 16, 17, 18, 19. All five years in a row, including a win over the then 8-7 and seven Ravers, Ravens back in 2016. I, Jay, it's incredible. It, I, I, I just like – now, will, will what's happened the last two weeks trump this? You know, maybe that, that's sort of like, oh, you can make the excuse. Well, they had their run. I don't know. But I, I'm telling you what, I'm not betting against that. It, it, there have been situations like this that there's there's a, if, if you believe in parallels and history repeating itself in, in 2008, the Bengals were 4-11-1. The tie was against the Eagles. They finished the game on a three-game winning streak. They were one eleven and one, and they finished the year on an on a three-game winning streak. And what they do the next year? AFC North title. Swept, swept the AFC North and won the won the division. And they had a number one quarterback who went down midseason. Carson Palmer got hurt, hurt his elbow, and Fitzy came in and won them some games down the stretch. How about that, Jay? You're. De- you're 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 just J you're J positive. I'm Pauly positive. You're J positive. <laughs> it's amazing what two wins will it's do. It's amazing what two wins will. I know people hate it. Bring back Paul Downer Jr. <laughs> right. I'm just pointing out that it's okay to win every once in a while. That winning is can be good every once in a while. Your players thinking that you can occasionally win is a good thing for your organization. Thinking that this group is good enough to win some games is a good thing for your organization. It may mean nothing. But it's it's better than the hope that comes from the difference between Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell. I'm having this is the same rant I just did on Sunday, but I'm doing it again for effect. <laughs> okay, it's just the uh, that's just the way it is. Um, you have a growler bet update as it gets tense. Oh, it is tense. You may not even realize this, but because I I jumped out to that huge lead, I was up seven to three 
um, in mid-October, and you've really come on strong here of late. But you won last week's to get within 10 to 9. You had 47 total points and three touchdowns. I had 30 total points and two touchdowns, so you were closer on both. So you won that one to get to 10 to 9. But we go all the way back to August 28th because we now have a winner in our House of Cards bet. Ooh, yes, sir. And Thank you, Darius you had Phillips. Four- <laughs> yes. You had 45. I had 42. The Bengals are currently at 45 with one game to go. We know John Ross isn't going to play, but you assume A.J. Green, Carl Lawson, and Darius Phillips will, so it's going to end at 48. You're going to win that one, so we are going into the season finale deadlocked at 10-10. to 10. This week's growler so maybe, bet will be huge. Will be huge. Worth it. Yeah, maybe – I was going to say maybe we should solicit suggestions. No guarantee we'll use them. But we need to come up with a good one on Thursday. So if you want to use that hashtag Bengals Growler bet on Twitter between now and, say, Wednesday evening, and you can come up with a really good one, we'll, and we use it, we'll give you a shout-out. And you know what? It's the holidays. It's been a rough year. Feel free to make it slightly attainable. I'm ready. I'm now, now after a month of the sadistic nun treatment, I'm ready to, to maybe give away some more delicious 50 West free beer. Uh, I'm I'm ready to give away some of Bobby's free beer. <laughs> uh, I I feel like it's time, and so uh, you know, if it has to be attainable, that can be attainable. That will be on the Thursday show. Uh, so make sure you come back for the growler as we do a little bit more previewing the game against Baltimore. Our guy in Baltimore, Jeff Zrebeck, will join us again to talk about where the Ravens are with their wild season that they've been through. Um, but they are catching fire here at the end. Um, you've got some more Houston history as well, Jay. I'll just let you keep you're on fire. I'll let you keep going. Uh, yeah, something happened that is, I don't want to say never happened in franchise history, but the, the data on drives goes back to 2000 and the Bengals scored on every drive in the second half Sunday in Houston. That's the first time they have done that since they started keeping drive stats like this since 2000. Um, there have been other situations uh, this year in, included they, against Jacksonville. They, they scored on five of their six possessions, and the, sixth, the one that they didn't was a one-play kneel down. You don't really count that, but technically it was a possession. This was the first time in 20 years that they scored every time they took a snap. Um, heck of a it, – it, <laughs> The amazing thing is we saw this last year. They went into week 16 with 42 consecutive second-half drives without a touchdown, and then they scored four touchdowns in in five possessions and just blew that out of the water. They did it again this week in week 16, went into the game. It was no points in the last seven games, no touchdowns in the last ten games in the third quarter. And what do they do? 75-yard drive for a touchdown to open the third quarter, 75-yard drive for a touchdown on their next drive of the – of the second quarter, just blow it out of the water. Um, so that's that's something. The other times they did it, Detroit 2017 against the 49ers 2003 and against the, the Browns 2001. All those games, they had a kneel down at the end. Uh, all those games were at home. They did this one on the road. Um, so that, that was that's where that Houston history comes in. And then one other stat that, that comes into play here, uh, Geo Bernard, 409 yards rushing, leads the team. The the fewest rushing yards by a team leader 
since they went to a 16-game season in 1978, Derek Fenner had 468 in 1994. So Geo needs 60 yards to avoid this being the, the lowest total for a leading rusher in Bengals history. Let's just say you don't want to be in the same category with Derek Fenner. No. <laughs> Google it. Joe Joe Mixon if you look at if, if you look at the top yeah yeah you don't, don't yeah don't even worry about googling that. Um the the top 5 or the bottom 5 rushing totals Joe Mixon's 626 in 2017 is fourth on that list and then Harold Green's on that list twice in those miserable 1993 and 95 seasons but 409 that that Wherever Geo lands, that I may have to look into this deeper. That might be the, the the lowest total for a leading rusher by any team in quite some time. Yeah, and and just the the lack of efficiency in it too. Because you get into you know you get into okay you you have a bunch of injured guys and you're cycling guys through that that you know but you you have the low total and the poor efficiency is the you know across the board from all your running backs is 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 more of the the concern and more telling about the people in front of them than it has the people right. handing the ball to i mean is is joe mixon when he was running a 3.6 yard per carry geo three and a half you know the the everybody no it's the fact that they're not moving able to move people enough up front um, when they need to, Houston, they could move them. You know, it's like you, everybody moved Houston this year. It's like you. you so let's let, let's keep in mind. You know, again, it all comes back to the same thing that they need to be spending on. So we'll have that. Oh, of course, plenty more about that as we get into the off season. As I mentioned, the Growler on Thursday season finale walkout on Sunday against Baltimore, and then all your season recap stuff uh, will continue as we as we kind of get into the what comes next. The moves will start to happen as far as you know of official hearing, postseason press conferences, and and uh, movement with whether it's coaches. We may even see player stuff saying we have a lot. We'll have a lot to react to um, as we get through what's going to happen when the season ends. So hope you all are sticking around for that. Hope you all are subscribers to The Athletic. Uh, we have buy one, gift one still going on. So I hope you all are uh, have taken advantage of that if you haven't yet. As we mentioned, you know, you've got the person you forgot to give a gift to. You got, you got like a Zoom call scheduled with them uh, tomorrow, and you're like, oh, I wanted to give them a gift, but I don't have I didn't, What was I going to do? Give them The Athletic. You can buy one for yourself, gift one to them. Go to theathletic.com, get the buy one, gift one deal that we have going on. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you on Thursday for the Growler. Send us your Bengals Growler bet suggestions. We are ready for it. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.